Now we're in Daniel chapter 8. Let's read Daniel chapter 8. Look at verse 1, please. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me, Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. So Belshazzar is still the king of Babylon. Babylon is still in control. Verse 2. And I saw in a vision, and it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan in the palace, which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in a vision, and I was by the river of Uli. Then I lifted up mine eyes, and I saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram, which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. And I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward, so that no beast might stand before him, neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand, but he did according to his will and became great. And as I was considering, behold, an he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. So this one goat, if you look up here, has this horn, it's one big horn and it's between his eyes and he's running and he's not touching the ground. That means he's running really, really fast. Verse 6, and he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river and ran unto him in the fury of his power. And I saw him come close unto the ram and he was moved with collar, which is like anger against him and smote the ram and break his two horns. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground and stamped upon him. And there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Verse 8, Therefore the he-goat waxed very great. So the he-goat destroys the ram. And when he was strong, the great horn, that one big horn was broken, and for it came up four notable horns toward the four winds of heaven. So here's a prophecy that God's given Daniel by the river, and he sees that ram, and he sees the goat, and it's running, and it destroys that ram. You're wondering, what is that ram? What is that he-goat? Well, the Bible, a lot of times, if you'll just keep reading, you're going to find out exactly what they represent. Skip to verse 15. Skip to verse 15, because I'm going to go back over at verses 9 through uh, 14. Those are about the Antichrist. Look at verse 15. And it came to pass, when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning, then, behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uli, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So Daniel looks up, he sees a man standing there. Guys, angels don't appear with big wings and women with long blonde hair. Your Bible describes angels as appearing as men. No wings. Paul goes so far as to say that, beware how you entertain strangers because people have entertained angels unaware. In other words, some of these people that you're rude to in Walmart, some of these people you're rude to on the road, they might be an angel God sent among us. That's what Paul tells you. You know, you, uh, you got to be really careful. Angels look just like me and you. So God tells Gabriel, which Gabriel is the mouthpiece of God. You ever heard somebody say they have the gift of gab? That's what that means. The gift of gab means that they have, they, like Gabriel, they have a lot, they talk a lot. That Gabriel's a speaking angel. So verse 17, so he came near where I stood. And when he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. At the time of the end shall be the vision. Now, as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep on my face toward the ground. But he touched me and set me upright. And he said, Behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation. For at the time appointed, the end shall be. So all this stuff that you're seeing is for the end times. This is all going to come place, take place in the end times. He's pointing this out at the end. That's real important to understand. Verse 20. The ram, here's the interpretation. The ram which thou sawest having two horns 
are the kings of Media and Persia. So that ram that he saw standing there was Media and Persia. And it was Darius and Cyrus represented the Median and Persian Empire. But he said in verse 21, And the rough goat, or that he goat, is the king of Grecia. And the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king, is the first king of Grecia. Who was the first king of Grecia? Alexander the Great. When this prophecy was taking place, Grecia was just this little bitty no place. That no, nobody could even imagine that it would be a military power, much less conquer the, all the world at that time. Conquer all the, going towards trying to conquer the whole world. All the Palestinian area is what Alexander the Great's going to conquer. And he's going to conquer the Medes and the Persians, just like it said he did. Remember, Alexander the Great came across. He came across really fast. He was a very young man. He came across, and he was conquering and conquering. Nobody st could stand before him. And he was fast and swift. And when he got to the Medes and the Persians, he stamped them out, and he destroyed them completely to where he was the only one. But notice, it says, verse 21, And the rough goat is the king of Grecia, and the great horn, the great horn, and notice that we call Alexander, Alexander the Great. And the Bible called him the Great Horn. I think that's very interesting. And that is between his eyes is the first king. Verse 22, now that being broken, now that being broken, as four stood up for it, four kingdoms, so stand up out of the nation, but not in his power. Guys, this is a prophecy of Alexander the Great that he was going to come and destroy the Medes and the Persians about 200 years before he did. This prophecy is 200 years before Alexander the Great was ever even around or born. This is a 200-year prophecy before it took place. And this right here should give you some confidence about your Bible to know that you've got the right book in your lap. This is where the Koran or any other religious teaching can't hold a candle to the Word of God. And that, that's when it comes to prophecy. And that's why God said in Isaiah, God said in Isaiah, He goes, I'm going to prove to you that I'm God. How? Because I'm going to show you what's going to come to place before it takes place. Then you'll know I'm God. That's what he says in the book of Isaiah. So you're seeing here as this, this interpretation is given to Daniel that you're seeing that there's going to be an interpretation. There's going to be a king. He's going to be the first king. When he gets broken down, there's going to be four kingdoms standing in his place. That's exactly what took place. Now go back up down to verse 8 before we move on. Verse 8. Therefore that he goat waxed very great. And when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and for it came up four notable ones. This is what he's talking about, toward the four winds of heaven. Now look at verse 9. And out of one of them, out of one of those four horns, came forth a little horn. That little horn, guys, is the Antichrist, which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great even to the host of heaven. And it cast down some of the hosts of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. So this is a prophecy of the Antichrist. And I'm going to preach on these verses and the rest of verses 23 on. I'm going to preach on those on another Sunday and really focus on that little horn and on that Antichrist. But this morning I want to finish focusing on Alexander the Great. Now notice, but notice there in verse 9 it says, And out of one of them that came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. Here's a little horn coming up out of that he goat. And this is a real crude drawing by Clarence Larkin, but it's pretty, it's real accurate. He has a little horn coming up out of Syria. Because when they, when those four were uh, destroyed, when Alexander the Great's kingdom was destroyed and four kings came up, these are the four kings that came, kingdoms that came up and Syria was one of them. We believe that the Antichrist is going to come out of Syria. And I'll try to show it to you after a while. But Alexander the Great, he rose up. Alexander the Great is, of course, well-known in the world. He's well-known as a military dictator, known as one of the greatest military 
leaders of all time. That's why he's called the Great. He's one of the greatest types of the Antichrist of all time. He is a type of the Antichrist. You notice that the little horn is going to come out of his kingdom. Now, Josephus, Flavius Josephus was a historian at that time. Now, not at that time that this was written, but he was a historian at the time of Jesus Christ. And when Alexander the Great was conquering the known world, he came into Jerusalem. They showed Alexander the Great something out of his book. Now, I'm going to read you. This is Josephus. He wrote this 2,000 years ago. And I'm going to read to you what Josephus wrote about Alexander the Great coming into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. This is what he wrote. He said, for Alexander, when he saw the multitude at a distance in white garments, he's coming into Jerusalem, he sees the priest, okay? While the priest stood clothed with fine linen and the high priest in purple and scarlet clothing with his mitre on his head, having the golden plate on which the name of God was engraved, he approached by himself, that's Alexander, approached these high priests and adored that name. He's bowing down to these high priests and to the name that's on their, the name of Jehovah on them. And the first saluted the high priest. The Jews also did all together with one voice salute Alexander and encompass him about whereupon the kings of Syria and the rest were surprised at what Alexander had done and supposed him disordered in his mind. He's like, here's the conqueror of the known world. He comes to Jerusalem. He starts bowing down to these priests and he's adoring them. And they're like, what's going on? Alexander's lost his mind. More than likely, they're thinking Alexander's drunk again. However, Parmenio alone went up to him. There was only one person who had the guts to go ask Alexander the Great, what are you doing? And asked him how it came to pass that when all others adored him, everybody bowed down and adored Alexander, he should adore the high priest of the Jews. This is what Alexander the Great said. I did not adore him, but that God who hath honored him with that high priesthood. So Alexander the Great is saying, I'm not adoring the high priest. I'm adoring the God that he represents. Why is he doing that? Who hath honored him with that high priesthood? Why is he doing that? For I saw this very person in a dream, in this very habit, in those very clothes, when I was at Dios in Macedonia, that's where, where Greece is today, who, when I was considering with myself how I might obtain the dominion in Asia, he was thinking about how I'm going to conquer all of Asia, exhorted me. This guy exhorted me to make no delay, but boldly to pass over the sea thither, for that he, God, would conduct my army and would give me the dominion over the Persians. Alexander the Great said he had a dream that God told him that he would give him the dominion. Listen to me, the dominion over the Persians. Turn to Daniel chapter 7. Turn to Daniel chapter 7. Now, Josephus is recording this 2,000 years ago. And he's saying up here, he's saying that Alexander the Great said, I had a dream that God said, rise up, I'm going to give you the dominion over the Persians. Look at Daniel chapter 7, look at verse 6. This is a prophecy of Greece, and I showed that to you before. Look at verse 6. After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. Those four wings are those four kingdoms that are going to rise up. The beast also had also four heads. Those are those four kingdoms. But look, and dominion was given to it. This is out of all those four beasts, this is the only four beasts that said that God has given it dominion. See that word dominion? Given dominion was given to it. That's Greece. That's Alexander the Great. And Alexander said, God said, rise up and would give me the dominion over the Persians. Isn't that amazing? Amen. It's amazing. It's amazing. Alexander's confirming exactly what the Word of God said. Now, this is an historian that's written 2,000 years ago. You don't have to take this as gospel, amen? This guy might have been lying. There might have been something going on. But when you compare the truth, which we got the Word of God, which you know is the truth, you compare this, it confirms each other. 
This thing's, what you're reading is written 2,500 years ago. This is written 2,000 years ago. But you got some 21-year-old student telling you, that's not what happened, who was born 21 years ago, who's trying to tell you what happened 2,500 years ago. This guy was a lot closer to the truth than some 21-year-old or some 60-year-old professor. Whence it is that having seen no other in that habit and now, now seeing this person in it, so Alexander said, I've never seen anybody dressed like that, now I'm seeing him. And remembering that vision and the exhortation which I had in my dream, I believe that I bring this army under the divine conduct and shall, shall therewith conquer Darius, and he did, and destroy the power of the Persians, which he did, and that all things will succeed according to what is in my own mind. Alexander the Great says, I believe God has given me the power to come over here and conquer. And God does give nations the power. Guys, you are kidding yourself if you don't think God's hand is in protecting America. God's hand is in us winning World War II. That's God's hand. If God wanted Germany to rule the world, Germany would rule the world through Hitler. If that's what God wants, there's going to come a time where God wants the Antichrist to rule the world. And he's going to. And he's going to destroy a lot of people doing it. That's God's hand. And when he had said this to Parmenio and had given the high priest his right hand, right hand of fellowship, amen, he shakes hands with him, right hand, the priest ran along by him, the priest, and he came into the city, the city of Jerusalem, and when he went up into the temple, that's the temple we talked about, he offered sacrifice to God, Alexander the Great offered sacrifice to God, according to the high priest's direction, and magnificently treated both the high priest and the priest. He's been really, really nice to everybody in Jerusalem and to the temple priest. Now notice, and when the book of Daniel was showed him, the Jews who had the book of Daniel at this time, see this picture up here? They're showing Alexander the Great out of the book of Daniel what is prophesied about them, which you just read with me, amen. Okay, you just read it. And when the book of Daniel was showed him, wherein Daniel declared that one of the Greeks should destroy the empire of the Persians, which you just read it with me, he supposed that himself was the person intended. And as he was then glad... He dismissed the multitude for the present, but the next day he called them to him and bade them ask what favors they pleased of him. He started blessing all these priests because they were showing him that they believed that he is that king right there, and he believed it too. He's that goat. It's amazing stuff. They're showing him exactly what I'm showing you this morning to Alexander the Great, that he is that goat right there in Daniel chapter 8, verse 21 and 22, just like the Bible says. Pretty, pretty amazing stuff, guys. Amen. Alexander the Great, he died at the age 33. Some people think he died of fever. They said he had a high fever. Some people think he drank himself to death. Some people say he committed suicide. Really, not, really, nobody's really for sure, but for sure we know he died at age 33. Very, very young man to conquer most of the known world at that time. That's Alexander the Great. He died at age 33. And his four generals that were helping him lead this army that God had conducted him to do and his own belief that God had told him to do they split that kingdom when he died. They split it into four kingdoms. They split the kingdom into a Syrian division, into an Egypt, to Asia Minor, and then, of course, into Greece. They split the kingdoms to four different kingdoms right there. There's one, two, three, four, the four different kingdoms. Now, go back up to verse 9, and I'll show you what I was trying to show you earlier. And it says, verse 9, Daniel chapter 8, verse 9, And out of one of them came forth a little horn, that would be the Antichrist, which waxed exceeding great. And I'm going to preach on all this so y'all don't fret about all the rest of these verses, but I'm focusing on verse 9. He says, toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. So he says, toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. The pleasant land is Jerusalem. Jerusalem would be right here. 
So from reading right there in verse 9, that's why we believe the Antichrist is going to come out of Syria. And see, the Syrian Empire is this gray one, and it comes up here, and then it goes around right here. Notice what's all part of the Syrian Empire. Babylon. Babylon. Part of the Syrian Empire. What is that today, modern day? Modern day, that is, if you look on this map over here, that is Iraq, that is parts of Iran, that is Syria, that is Jordan. That's this area right here. Here's Israel today, this little bitty place right here, that's Israel. And Israel's whipping all these other nations right here. I love Israel. God's people, man, God's, how did they do that? The six-day war, how did they in six days whip all those people? God, that's how they did it. But that's modern day right there. That's Jordan, that's Syria, that's Iraq, and that's Iran. One of the things that Saddam Hussein tried to do before he was hung up by a rope, he was trying to recreate Babylon. He's trying to rebuild Babylon, and they said he was literally putting millions of dollars into rebuilding Babylon, but it didn't happen. But what's interesting about that, if the Antichrist is going to come out of Syria, which is what we think verse 9 tells us, what does the Bible tell us in Revelation chapter 13, Revelation 17, all those verses, especially in 17 and all that, that the Babylon city is going to be rebuilt, and that Babylon... Is going, to be the, is going to be the mother of whores. There it is right there. See, all part of that. And the Bible says that little horn is going to come out of, the, out of one of these four. That's why we believe it's going to come out of this one right here. That the Antichrist is going to be Assyrian. Assyrian according to the Bible, but we, we might say Assyrian, a Jordanian, Iraqian, or maybe even Iran. One of those four right in there. Because see, Jordan's right in here. But he could come out of Syria. He could, this would be Iraq, Iran. He could come out of any of those right there. He'd definitely be one of those. So, those are the four kingdoms. Just like the Bible said, the Bible said that it's going to be divided into four, and that's exactly what happened. Now, guys, that's prophecy that came to fulfillment according just like the Word of God said it would. This is another thing to confirm that you got the right book. Everybody understand this? It's amazing stuff. I like this stuff, even if somebody else does. <laughs> I like it. And if you go on to Google, you won't get it. If you go on to Google and you type in Alexander the Great Goat, you'll get this stuff. But if you go on to Google and type in Alexander the Great and go on to Wikipedia, you're not going to get any of this. They don't even mention it that I could find. Not one bit. They don't even mention it. They don't even say, hey, the Bible says he's going to do this, that, and another, but we know the Bible's wrong. They don't even say that. What are these uh, modern-day scholars, what do they do? Well, what they do with Daniel is they do is they say, Daniel, see, Daniel's so accurate that it was written after all this stuff took place. So a modern-day professor or scholar He's going to say, Daniel was written later than it says. In other words, after Alexander the Great came in, then they wrote Daniel chapter 8. See, that's what they're going to say. They're going to try to push the time out later. Just recently, they found some stuff over, and I'm not sure where they found it. It's over in the Palestinian area, but they found some stuff that was written. It was just some, some writings and stuff. And you know what they came out and said? They said it shows us that the Bible is written a lot, is a lot older than we even thought. That the Bible is a lot older than we thought. You know why they say that now? Because they say the way the Bible's written, nobody was talking like that at that time. That's why they say the Bible's not written as old as they say. But now they're finding out, you know what, we were wrong. We're finding this pottery that has a list of things. Go to the store and get eggs, get milk, you know, stuff like that. Written like that. A language written like that. They're saying, therefore, it confirms that the Bible could have been written then. Well, I didn't need to know that. I already knew it, amen. I got a Bible that tells me, you know. Listen, you just believe the book and let science catch up with the book. Okay? Alexander the Great, he embraced being the he-goat. He embraced this. I read it to you out of Josephus, but he embraced this. Here's Greece. 
We're, that's where Alexander the Great came from, and he, he went out conquering this way, okay? See that word right there? Aegean. Aegean Sea, that means goat sea. His son was called Aegeus, which means son of the goat. Alexander the Great, he embraced being the goat. Why did he embrace that? Because the Bible called him the he-goat. You see that? In Daniel chapter 8, you say, well, how sure, how sure are you that he embraced that? See, there's Alexander the Great. See that right there? That's a horn, isn't it? Because he's that horn, the great horn. See right here, this is a coin from that time period with Alexander, with Alexander the Great, a coin of Alexander the Great on it. You see the horn up there? The great horn, Daniel chapter 8. He embraced being the he-goat. He embraced that, and that's what Josephus said 2,000 years ago. Here's another picture, just in case you're not seeing it. You can see it as a drawing when it's put into black and white, and you can see the horn a little bit better. He is that he-goat in Daniel chapter 8. The only way around it is to say, this stuff, Daniel chapter 8, was written after Alexander the Great came in. People like that, you just laugh them off, because they're always going to have an answer. Either you believe it or don't. That's the way I see it. And here's another inscription, and you can see it's red there, the goat horn there. All right. Now, they've come out with movies about Alexander the Great. And this is one of the latest movies to come out. It was done by Oliver Stone. It's a piece of trash. The movie's a piece of trash, but I don't recommend seeing it at all. It's, it's nasty. It's R-rated for a reason. But one of the things in that movie they show about Alexander the Great is they show him conquering. They show him. They don't show any of this stuff I showed you in Josephus. Don't worry about that. They're not going to give you any of the good stuff. But they show him, and the historians think, they don't know it, but they think that Alexander the Great, and according to Oliver Stone in this movie, Alexander the Great was a homosexual. And that he had a relationship with one of his closest friends. Now, the historians, they argue about that. Some of them don't believe that one bit. Some of them say, yes, he was a homosexual. But what's interesting to me is that we got a movie that's coming out in the end times that shows Alexander the Great, and they portray him in this movie as a homosexual. Why is it so interesting? Because I told you, Alexander the Great's a great type of the Antichrist. Now turn to Daniel chapter 11, I'll show you something. Turn to Daniel chapter 11, verse 37. Daniel chapter 11, verse 37. But look at Daniel chapter 11. Now notice, remember that they have Alexander the Great portrayed as a homosexual, very blatantly in this movie. And this is a prophecy of the Antichrist. And look at verse 37. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers... That's why we believe he's a Jew, one of the verses. Regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. Now, years and years ago, when I first started teaching on the Antichrist, probably 20 years ago, and I was studying through this, and I'm reading through my Bible, and I see that he don't desire women, I taught that the Antichrist was going to be a homosexual. And I got some flack from that from some friends. It says, that's not what that means. It just says the desire of women. Now, you don't have to believe me. He could, be, he could just be like a Muslim. He could be like a Muslim where they don't give women any kind of rights, amen. They can't drive. They can't vote. They can't do anything. I've taught from the very beginning when I've seen these verses that the Antichrist is going to be a homosexual. And I got flack for it. But now that I'm living in the year 2016, guys, I'm not backing off not one step. Because I see what's going on in the world, and I see in Revelation that in the end times, Jerusalem is going to be called two things. The city of Jerusalem, under the control of the Antichrist, is going to be called two things. It's going to be called Egypt and Sodom. What is Sodom known for? Sodomites, homosexuality. 
So I really believe in my heart of hearts that the Antichrist is going to be a homosexual. And seeing where the world's going with the homosexuality being pushed on us and forced on us and how the world's getting more wicked and more wicked, it does it not surprise you to find out they make a movie by Alexander the Great, one of the greatest types of the Antichrist, and he's a homosexual in there. I don't think it's a coincidence. Now, guys, that's a lot of stuff about Alexander the Great. What I'm trying to show you is that you can believe your book. I'm going to show you one more verse to help you believe your book. Look at Isaiah 66. I'm going to show you one more verse. Look at Isaiah 66. Go back to Isaiah 66, verse, uh, verse 8. Y'all have been under my teaching. Y'all know that I, I teach that every chapter of the book of Isaiah represents the book of the Bible it correlates to. Isaiah chapter 1 represents Genesis 1. Isaiah chapter 2 represents Exodus. Well, what would Isaiah 66 be? Isaiah 66 would represent the book of Revelation in times. So look at Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8. This is some prophecy that will help, help strengthen your view and your, your faith in the Word of God. Look at verse 8. Who hath heard of such a thing? What thing? Who hath seen such things? What things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth one day, or shall a nation be born at once? Now when in the history of mankind has a nation been born at once? On one day, 1948. Of all nations, it could have been Jordan, it could have been Syrian, it could have been any nation, it could, of all the nations that could have been born at once, what a coinkadink, it turns out to be Israel. As we live in the last times, Israel's been born at one day. The United Nations got together, they had a big vote, and they voted in one day. The nation of Israel is a nation. And what's happened since then? Total heck has broke loose all over the world. Now, guys, you can argue with me that, oh, Daniel was written, the book of Daniel was written after Alexander. You can argue, and the professor can look you in the face and argue, but you cannot argue this. This King James Bible was translated in 1611. That took place in 1948. Guys, you can't argue with the truth. Amen. You can't argue with the truth. Let me show you one more, Zechariah chapter 12. I know I told you one, but let me show you one more. Zechariah is towards the back by, by Matthew Back of the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 12. If you know anything about Zechariah, Zechariah shows you the end times. There's a lot of prophecy about the end times. I'll show you Zechariah chapter 12, verse 3. And it's talking about the end times. And notice, this is what Obama knows. This is what John Kerry knows. This is what Hillary Clinton knows. This is what Bernie Sanders knows. This is what all the, this is what Donald Trump knows. Ted Cruz knows this. Look at verse 3. And in that day, Zechariah 12, verse 3. In that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. You don't think Obama didn't get up, doesn't get up every day and Israel isn't a burdensome stone to him? Yes, it is. As a matter of fact, they, I was just reading an article about Obama, and he's wanting to do this resolution in the United Nations to try to get Israel to force them into peace talks. Because why is Obama doing that? Because his people say Obama's, the only thing Obama didn't get done in office, he got his health care plan shoved down our throats. He's got homosexuality shoved down our throats. He's got everything he wants shoved down our throats, but one thing he couldn't get done. He couldn't get peace in the Middle East. And he wants to be the one that got peace in the Middle East. And he's about to go out, and you know what's going to happen? He's not going to get peace in the Middle East. It's a burdensome stone to John Kerry, to Obama, to Donald Trump, to Bernie Sanders, to Hillary Clinton, 
They get in there and they get asked about Israel all the time. Israel? Israel. Why? Because God's hands in that, if you look on this map, this is Israel. It's about the size of Rhode Island. Who cares about that little bitty place right there, Israel? You got Turkey, you got Iraq. And, why doesn't anybody care about It's Israel that's given everybody a, bur- is a burdensome stone to everybody. Just like the Bible said. You're living in the end times, guys. But we're not looking for the Antichrist. We're looking for Jesus Christ. That's what we care about. And I can talk about the Antichrist. I can give, show you some neat things about uh, Alexander the Great. I can show you some neat things about prophecy. But really, honestly, who cares? We got the truth. We got Jesus Christ. We'll wait for him to come back. I'm showing you this stuff just to give you, ground your faith. Just to say, hey, you've got the right book. And that right book says, you've got Jesus Christ and he's coming back again. And if you don't have Jesus Christ, you're going to go to a devil's hell. The wrath of God abideth on him. John 3, 36. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.